Hello, friends and fellow warriors. Welcome to this episode. And I'm very honored to have my friend and fellow warrior, Sarah Earl, with me today. And you know what? As usual on my podcast, we're just going to chat. And we're never 100% sure where it will lead. But Sarah is so filled with wisdom and perspective and has so much to offer that I'm going to try my very best, Sarah, to not uh, try to talk about everything today in hopes that you'll come back again and be my guest on another episode. So before we uh, get going into our in, into our, any of our topics here, I want to say hello to you, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to be back for my second visit. Well, you know what? I've had a total of, this will be my third guest episode, and you've been two of them. So what does that say for you? That's exciting. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that I, I you know, I was talking about this on, a, on, I think on a podcast that I recorded for next week or something that we could easily look for people who are famous to be on our podcast. And I do think that a lot of those people would have great inspiring stories, but I am so attached to and connected with and attracted to people like you who are not famous yet. And, but, but real people, because I honestly think that sometimes people can be so out of touch that we don't think of them as somebody that we could emulate or we could learn from. And I, I know for a fact that you are one of those people. And I know a lot more about your story than we'll be able to get into today. Um, but just suffice to say that Sarah and I met a few years back on this journey because Sarah has a son who's living with an addiction beast. And of course, you all know my story with my daughter, Jamie. And although we met after Jamie had been murdered, there's that connection for that common struggle or challenge that both you and I have been through, Sarah. But I have come to learn that, like a lot of us, that has not been your only struggle in life. And to watch you with so much grace go through not just your growth, because it's one thing for people to grow. That's great. You should grow. But I watched you grow while things got worse. And I think we talked about that on our last episode. It's important for people to know because they listen to a story of growth and they say, well, you know, you don't know. Yeah, you got better. And they, they kind of picture this upward you know, trajectory and they they don't realize that you the things in your life got significantly more challenging. And um, so I commend you for being that um that person who's willing to create a legacy of hope for other people, because dang, do we ever need it more now than in your entire life? Have you ever felt like society needed hope more than now? Um, no, it is interesting because um, in my, in, in my current process, one of the things I've been doing is talking to women um, just to find out what it is that they're really missing in life. And one of the things that, that, that has come up over and over again is this this idea of human connection? So whether they are, they've never been married, they're divorced, they're widowed, they're um, just alone for whatever reason. They are. They're most of their friends are their husbands' friends. A lot of women just really crave this human connection, and of course, I believe it's been compounded by COVID. But even before that, I think that that's something that we tend to. Uh, nourish relationships all around us and not nourish our own. Well, and you know, you, it's interesting you talk about that 
human connection. And we're now that we're in the social media age and this 24 hour news age, there's never been more opportunity for people to connect and video and all that. But in a lot of ways, I feel like we're less connected. And I think it's because of what we were talking about, just what I mentioned a minute ago, is that we're trying, we, meaning collectively society, are trying to connect with people we can't really connect with, we can't really relate to. And that's why I think people like you with your story and all the different facets of your story are important for people to hear. Okay, so maybe we won't touch a million people with this podcast, but what if we touch, well, it's going to be more than that, but let's go with one. What if we touch mm -hmm. one and then they go out and touch another because of one little nugget here and then on and on and on. Couldn't we touch a million people with a real story that that can connect? And I think, okay, before we talk about this a little bit more, I'm going to go backwards. I wanted to talk a little bit more about Sarah's story and then talk about what she's doing, but I'm going to touch on it because this is what is so freaking cool. When you get up and you step forward and you go through the hard work that it takes to become a warrior, easy to stay down on the mat. I don't think you're a warrior when you're down there, but when you do the hard work like you've done to overcome and to move forward while all the crap is stirring around you, and then take that a step further and reach out and create your own platform and your own program to go out and teach others what you've learned, that that makes me more excited than any other thing I ever do or experience in what I do is that I could have a teeny tiny part of what you did. And then you're going and touching other lives with your own platform, your own story, your own teaching. And I just thank you so much, not for allowing me to be a part of it, but for doing it. Well, so let's back up uh, about five years, Valerie, because I think it's been around five years and, um, uh, I always like to tell people that at one point in my life, um, and we the last time I was on the podcast, we touched on this. I had a pretty traumatic childhood, but um, I really focus on my adult my adulthood because that's what's in the forefront, right? But my um, my finding you and my finding your um, programs and your belief in me early on in this journey of um, dealing with my family uh, addiction. Um, I was able to get up off the floor. Like, I think you helped me, you helped scrape me off the floor. I was <laughs> that low. And um, I love that, by and, the way, I'm gonna have to use that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I even think I was lower than the roller coaster from hell. Like I was <laughs> stuck on the floor. And, um, and so you are part of my legacy. And I, I share that quite often with people because, um, you know, and as I'll, I'm sure we'll get to later, I really think it's crucial that people find someone who can help them get to their next best version of themselves. Um, and I don't think, I think that that's a pivotal moment in people's lives when they realize that that's not a, a weakness. It's, it's really necessary for you to continue to show up bigger, bolder, and braver. That is so, what a great point. But I think people do that. Haven't you ever talked to someone that goes, oh, you know, shh, quiet, they're seeing a counselor. Or, you know, that person, oh, they're having, they're, they're hiring a personal coach. Like what's wrong with them? Uh, but yeah, I, so I, I think, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think a lot of times now, um, since I'm kind of in the mentor and coaching space, which is amazing. Um, I, 
talk to people that I know and I tell them what I do and they look at me like I'm weird. Like, what is that? And, um, and I do have to be brave and be bold and just be confident in um, what I'm doing is not weird. It's needed. And, you know, I learned, uh, I, I didn't think about doing this work when I was really working with you closer because I wasn't ready. I was still recovering. I was still trying to find, you know, value in who I was and, and getting past, like you said, wanting to live the next day in my story. But I continue to be inspired by um, the work you're doing, the opportunities of being live again with you, hopefully soon, um, and the connections I've made with people by working with you. And that will always be a foundation of what has be begun my journey of healing and abundance. And so that's what I'm trying to do now is really help people create a foundation for their own abundance, just by using the example of my being able to do so. Which is, that is what it's all about. We can talk, 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 and tell people all day long. We see that with our children. You've been in education for many years. I'm sure you've experienced that. There's nothing better than an example, a physical example of living something out far more than any kind of words. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely. So, I mean, you have to have faith, but the evidence is, is really, you know, powerful as well. Yeah. Okay. So you and I were talking earlier today about how some of these people out there with different programs and philosophies, and, you know, it might be fine, believe that you can just, you know, think your life into existence and it's going to work out just this way. Now, for a lot of us, I used to kind of believe in that too, but for a lot of us, I call it life's two by four. You know, you're ditty bopping through life, going along toward that goal and everything. And then whack right upside the head. You know, it's addiction, it's betrayal, it's a divorce, it's a, a loss, a death and, and on and on we could go. And so I don't know about you, Sarah, but I found that now we can talk about the good coming out of it. But what I'm talking about just in the real sense of the word is your life where you are today, how you imagined it. And I've never asked you this question. I don't think. <laughs> um, of course not. I don't think we ever really know what's coming. And I, one of the things I've learned in, and doing a lot of inner work is that we, we can only imagine what we can imagine physically because we're here in this world and our, and our mind is capable of imagining so much more than we do imagine, but we can only imagine what we think is going to happen, right? So I used to say, you know, I wanted to be a French teacher and grow up and have two kids and get married. And that happened. I, that's exactly what happened. I got, I got out of college. I had two children. I got married. And um, what I didn't imagine were all the challenges that were going to come tear down the white picket fence. Right. But now, can I back up just a second? Tear down the white picket fence. That is such a good, you better be using that in your program. <laughs> That is good, Sarah. You know, every time I talk to you, we text, we voice connect or whatever. Every time I'm like, yep, there's another one for your Sarah-isms. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I wanted to back up because I love that you say, I'm focusing on my present life, my adult life, because that's the world I'm living in. And, you know, I, I like that you're not blaming your childhood because so many people do that. They're so stuck in that I had a hard childhood. And let me tell you what, if I was stuck on that, you wouldn't know me right now. Because if I, you know, I would never 
talk about a lot of it in public because my mother is still with us and it would break her heart, but, you know, went through a lot of stuff, but you say this as so casually, but the magnitude of trauma you must've experienced at a, at 12 years old, I believe is huge. And you know what yeah. I'm talking about, obviously. Can you, yeah. So well, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that today, but I just no. thought, so, so my, my parents moved a lot. We were not wealthy. Um, my parents got divorced when I was about 10. Um, so I became basically as in a single family home. Uh, in seventh grade, I had one pair of shoes all year. My feet stunk really bad. Um, my mom tells me that I got one brand new shirt. My sister got nothing when all of our friends were getting new clothes. And at 12, right before I turned 12, my father died in a plane crash. Um, <clears throat> and they were already divorced, but it just made things worse. Um, but that's tragic. I think course, losing a parent at 12, well, any age, of course, yeah. but at 12 has to be so, uh, it's traumatic. I don't care what the circumstances or how close you are to a parent. But then when you add on to it that it was in I don't know why it would matter in what way but that just seems like such a more traumatic way does that make sense yeah so it, it I mean it really was and I at one point I had all these journals and diaries I had written as a teenager and I ended up throwing them out because I I, I don't know I think at one point right before I got married I just wanted to walk away from all of that and now it, it that's really helped me though when I think about my children's choices, because I know, and my sister and I talk about this, I know what I went through as a child. I know the choices I could have made. I know the choices I did make. And, um, and I didn't make, all, I didn't always make the best choices, but I didn't turn to drugs. I'm not a drug addict. And so when I think about the things that my kids went through, um, I, it helps me believe that I'm not the cause of the addiction. Um, was I a perfect parent? Am I a perfect parent? No. Um, but, you know, I am not the cause of his addiction. And that is part of my story that I had to um, accept and appreciate and continue to allow him to go down the path he's going if he doesn't choose to make different choices. And, um, you know, it's it's setting boundaries and and realizing that core belief um, is really huge. And it, it doesn't mean, you know, I still, um, I still have hard days and things are going to come up in my life that are going to be really tough. I know they will, but I don't wait for the shoe to drop anymore. I just, I just work on, you know, um, I have three challenges that I've really had to overcome in my life that I just, that I think are really important. One is being very positive. So I grew up in a lot of circumstances that were negative and I had to, I really struggled with being a very positive person. Um, I looked very externally for years and years and years for value in my life, even when I became an assistant principal. I mean, I looked for other people to give me value. And that was something that had to be changed for me to really believe in my happiness, that I could provide that value for myself. And then you know, just setting boundaries, setting boundaries, not only with my son, but other people around me. Um, and, you know, those things have been really important to me to recognize those challenges and really work to overcome them. Okay. 
attitude, value, boundaries, right? Are those, those are the three things I tried to write quietly. Yeah, pretty so much. I'll, yes. Okay. So, yeah. so I'm thinking about how I admire that you took the childhood, you know, and again, we didn't get into all of it, but I know that yours was similar to mine in the, you know, four hot dogs for three kids and whoever ate fastest got the fourth hot dog. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I get all, you know, so it sounds like there were a lot of similar things and chaos and trauma and all that kind of stuff. So you have recognized that it's a part of you, but it's not a part of you that you're willing to carry forward in a negative way. You're, you're, you're only saying I'm going to use it for good, which is so critical. The first thing you said was attitude because the battle is for our mind, my friends, right, Sarah? I mean, that's where the battle begins. And yeah, so, so you're, you're, um, the number one weapon of hope is decide, right? And, um, and what I think is really interesting is number one is decide and number 10 is to get started. And there's a lot that happens in between. And sometimes, you know, as we begin to heal and get more confident and, and really work on our mindset more and, you know, work on, you know, having faith, uh, you know, um, building a circle of strengths, so many of the other weapons, as we work on those, sometimes that time can collapse. And so now for me, for example, my decision and my getting started happens much closer together than it did at the beginning where deciding to get up off the floor was one thing and getting started to recovery was something down the road. And so, um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, making those decisions to, to honor your story and to promise yourself that you're going to get through it is really important. And you, you know, in your book and in your story, you talk about if we can't stand for ourselves, we have to stand for somebody. And another, another similar thought that I've had, and this might've even come from you, I don't really remember, but um, you know, sometimes it's not even standing for somebody else. Sometimes someone has held space for me so that I, they believe in me when I'm not believing in myself. And then I walk into that belief where that person has kind of held a space for me. Um, Sarah, you know why that is so critical. I love that. Why that is so, okay. This right here is all about the circle of strength then. This is why it's so important for us to surround ourselves with as many people as we can who are positive, who believe in us, believe in us more than we believe in ourselves, which is even one of the exercises I have in one of the weapons is to go ask someone else what they think of you. Someone you know that believes in you and all. Okay. And then when they tell you all that, you don't get to argue. You don't get to discount the gift they're giving you. And that's exactly what you're talking about. People that hold space. But if you don't have anybody in your life that does that for you, wh- where are you going to go? And so I think so many people get down and then what they do is they head into the pity party with other people who are down. And then where's that person holding that space for them? Yeah. And and I, and I think one thing really critical here is that um, not everybody, but most people who find themselves in a very dark place are looking for help somewhere. Um, For me that night in my room when I was crying and was wondering, you know, there was nobody I could talk to. I didn't want the stigma of having a family addiction. I was embarrassed. Um, I searched online and I found you. And um, and I, so I know that even though the online space is not a face-to-face personal 
in-person connection that it can work. And, you know, I, I remember investing, uh, not only my time, but I spent money with my husband to come out to your event all the way in California from the East Coast. You know, I joined your program and that was one of the first things I ever did financially to invest in myself. And I truly believe that literally paying the money to get support was what changed everything for me because I had more skin in the game. I was more accountable to making sure that I was paying attention to what materials you were sharing. And it also helped me realize that I'm just as valuable as the money I'm spending. Well, well, the money I'm spending on myself is just as valuable as fixing the dishwasher or whatever it was that I didn't get to do because I, I spent that money. But the return on investment is much greater. Fixing the dishwasher or whatever it was that I didn't do that when I went, took that trip, um, that's temporary. But what I got from that trip is lasting me a lifetime. And so I think that when people, when people are stuck and they really are, are not sure where to turn, that finding someone like you who has time, um, who has timeless strategies that can apply to anybody in any circumstance in their life, um, you know, and I think, whether you've had a child in addiction or whether you just had a, a, an eating disorder or whether you have gone through divorce, whatever it is, it is trauma. And I think that the, the weapons that you have developed and continue to refine are the foundation of what can help anybody live a, a more fulfilled life. Yeah, that's such a good point, Sarah. And I know you, I'm sure you're seeing this in the program that you programs you've developed. Tell me what your program's called. So my program is called the Confidence Connection. And uh, confidence is only a very small part of it. Uh, a lot of the work we do is on your mindset. But many people, including myself until about three years ago, really didn't understand what that meant. It's just It was just kind of a vague word. Um, and confidence is much more relatable. So, and I think by working on our mindset, by... Um, taking action by being persistent. So that's what I call my map, mindset, action, persistence, that confidence is tied to all those things. So yes. when you take um, consistent actions, for example, you're going to be more confident because you're building momentum. So, um, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to minimize the foundation I got from the nine weapons because those are, those concepts are tied in, in how I am who I am today. Um, I, I'm still the same person I am, but I'm not the same version I, I was. And, um, you know, well, thank God, because Sarah, uh, you know what, here's the thing. <laughs> when I started working on what I was doing, you know, getting myself better and using my own weapons that I created and all this kind of stuff, I would never have imagined that I would get a knock on the door that my daughter would be murdered. And that, you know, obviously there's no, there's no. Uh, confidence connection nine weapons of hope there's no anything that can fully prepare you for something like that but i use that qualifier fully because i will tell you that it did prepare me and i you know i don't want to sit here and be doom and gloom like oh something terrible is going to happen in your life so get prepared but it is i mean we're going to lose people the older we get there will be more challenges and things it's just life it doesn't mean life's all going to be terrible 
but we will have those situations that will occur because that's how it works on planet earth. And if that's the case, shouldn't we be more prepared? Shouldn't we have more confidence? Like I talk about courage all the time, but I link that to confidence so much because if you're courageous, you'll be more confident. You know, if you're confident, you'll have more courage. But so I do think that we can prepare better for those challenging times, those inevitable times. But don't you think you can also prepare better for the good times? Well, and I think you won't you you won't miss the good times because we we anybody in life who's negative it doesn't just have to be someone who's been through trauma. But if you live in a negative space, you're always waiting for the shoe to drop, and that's where you that's the space you live in. You're always waiting for the phone call. You're waiting for, um, you know, to miss a paycheck. You're waiting to gain the weight back. Whatever it is, you're waiting for the failure, and in focusing on that. You know, you even talked focus on, you know, that's your um, weapon number seven is focus. And and I always say focus on the bright spots, because when you focus on waiting for that shoe to drop, <clears throat> then it's I mean, it's going to drop at some point And you've spent all this time waiting for it. what have you missed in the process rather than building the skills you need so that when the shoe drops, you can catch it, but yet continue to enjoy what's going on today in your life. Good point. Because I remember when I was riding my roller coaster from hell and scared when the phone rang and scared when it didn't. And like you say, waiting for the shoe to drop, I actually missed out on things. Even I would not go on that, you know, weekend trip. I wouldn't go do that thing. Cause I had to be wait. I was waiting for the shoe to drop literally would miss yeah. out on, on events with other people that things that could have brought me more joy in my life, waiting for that shoe to drop. What a terrible way to live. Yes. So I'm so uh, really excited about your your program and all the people that you you are helping already and are going to help and just so proud of you for doing that and, and taking your trauma and using it for good because too many people are stuck in their trauma or have tattooed that, you know, that label on their forehead, mom of an addict, divorcee, you know, whatever it is that we do that and it becomes who you are. And you can't get past it. And so not only are you pa getting past it, have or have gotten past it, but now you're reaching. That's exactly what we're supposed to do, Sarah. We don't get better just for ourselves. We get better so other people can get better. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good feeling. I mean, it's a good feeling to um, first of all, to know that I've changed. The trajectory of my own life. Um I've changed the trajectory of my own life and then believing and having the confidence, you know, that my story does matter and, and going beyond that now and, and being able to share with people, you know, what I've learned and what's helped me make success, help me make, help make me successful in my own life. And you mentioned something earlier about asking people what they thought of us. And so when I started this mentoring slash coaching, um, journey. Well, I didn't have any, um, testimonials. I'm like, who's going to, who's going to buy into my, my program. Who's going to think it's successful. I don't have any clients testimonials. And I went to the people I knew and I've got about a dozen, um, I, a dozen people who were able to share how I have helped them in this same way in their lives. And, oh my gosh, they came back in and I was like, 
oh my gosh, look what this person said. Look what this person said. And it just validated what I'm doing. Um, and I accepted their gifts. I accepted their compliments. Yes. And I, and you were, you were actually one of those people. And I accepted um, the, you know, they've said, you know, you can share my comments, whatever. And so that's, that's where my evidence quote unquote began is just sharing some of those small testimonials along with my story. And now my clients um, are on their journeys to create their next version of themselves. And what I tell them is that A, I am my own best student. So we're going to learn together. And that, you know, just like with you, you know, once you go through the nine weapons of hope, the journey doesn't end. The, those weapons, and I'm a, I'm a testimonial of that, those weapons are going to give you everything you need to continue to do things that you would have never thought possible in your life and in your future, even though you might have finished the quote unquote program, you know, there's always continued opportunities to work with you, but you're, those weapons are going to give you and equip you to catch the shoe when it drops and maybe to go buy a dozen other shoes. Ah, I love that. That's so good. Well, and you know, what's interesting too, Sarah, is even though we met through this beast of addiction, through that trauma, we didn't really even talk about that today. And this is important because so many people who do listen to this have met me and come to find my programs and, and my messaging through addiction. But notice we didn't talk about it because I think what happens is so many, especially these moms of addicts are looking for the answer to help their son or daughter in addiction. Who wouldn't want that? We don't have that answer. We don't know how you can fix another person because I don't think you can. I think you can stand with people while they fix themselves, while they grow and change and improve and become, like you say, the best version of themselves. That's all I ever did with you. I didn't change you. You know, and I have people, Sarah, I have people who say to me, you saved my life. That is humbling and, and it's amazing to hear, but it's really not true, right? I mean, we can't save other people. We can only give them the information, give them the support, believe in them and, and allow them to go forward. And so with that thought in mind, I wanted to ask you one last question. Sure. So with that thought in mind, what piece of advice would you give someone who might be listening today going, okay, Sarah said five years ago and she had to get scraped up off the mat or maybe they're, <laughs> not, maybe they're not getting down on the mat, getting scraped, but they're ready to fly. They're ready to do something. They're ready to move to the next level. They just want to be different. They want life to be different. I, this might be difficult to put into one piece of advice, but what advice would you give to somebody to help them take that first step? So, <clears throat> let me just real quick start with the belief part. Okay. And let's just, some of you may be too young to, to know what I'm going to talk about or, or share, but most of you probably won't. In the Wizard of Oz, Linda the Good Witch tells Dorothy that she had it within herself the whole time. Yeah. And we have it within ourselves. We, whether you believe, so I, I have a strong, I'm a Christian. I have a strong faith in God and I, believe that Christ lives within me. And that is, that is part of my spiritual armor weapon number five. And it's part of how I operate on a regular basis. That's one of the things that I do on a daily basis is talk. I, I talk to God, like he's my friend. I don't have a set prayer time. I talk to him all the time, yes. but you have to realize that you, you have what it takes. Like you said, you know, 
somebody can give us tools and help us, but we have to, we have it within us to really do the work. But if you don't feel that you have that in you, you can borrow somebody else's wings. And I, I, I say that when I talk to you, because you know, so many of the things that we've done with you involve wings. And the most recent picture you had on social media with the lighted wings was amazing. I thought it was gorgeous. Um, and yeah, I just, I so, happened along that Sarah, <clears throat> wasn't that great? I know. I loved that. And, you know, I have a necklace with wings on it that I bought when I was at Still Standing Live. And um, and I, I really believe that for a while, I was borrowing your wings. I was borrowing Jamie's wings. I don't want to start crying. Oh, I was God borrowing Jamie's wings because she, you know... I, I don't, I don't know where you would have taken this journey had she been with us today. I mean, you might still be here, but you might've stopped with writing your book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, when I read your first book, it was amazing to me to realize that you wrote the book before she even died. I didn't even realize that for a while until you told us that you didn't name her properly in the book because you did, you wanted her to tell her story one day. Right. Um, but so once you, once you, realize that you have to have that belief in yourself or borrow somebody's wings, then I just, I think you really have to find someone that you trust that can help guide you to uh, this, through this process. And, you know, it could be a therapist. Maybe you're really going through some strong mental challenges and that's okay. I mean, no, there is no, there's no, no such thing as normal. Normal is overrated. And, and, you know, I tell people, and I know you talk about this, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a therapist, um, but I, I work with a lot of people who go to therapy, but it's really important to have someone alongside of you, either a best friend um, or a, pro, you know, a program, but I am a strong belief in investing in yourself with time and resources so that you have someone who is dedicated to walking you through the steps that you're going to take to show up bigger, braver, and bolder. And I, I came up with those three kind of concepts long before I started coaching, but, but that's really what it is. If you're showing up for yourself, right? That's um, number nine, weapon number nine, put on your oxygen mask. You're doing that first, and then you're showing up for other people. Um, and so, you know, I will never be able to acknowledge enough how you um, gave me the tools that I use every day and how those tools helped me build a foundation that I'm that I'm um, expanding to continue to help other women uh, um, to do the same thing I did and do the same thing you did. <clears throat> so that that's great, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm so, you know, really humbled and honored that I could be any part of your journey, but um, I was trying to write notes without being too loud, but borrow wings. There's a couple little things that you might hear me say that will sound familiar in the future. Stolen from Sarah Earl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not so sure. I feel like a lot of times maybe, I don't know that might, I may, I don't know where, where that came from, but I, oh, I'm sure I it came from feel me. Like it, I was going to say, I feel like it came from you. Yeah. I okay, feel like yeah. it, borrowing wings came you because, Let me write that uh, down. Let me write. Yeah, that was definitely mine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't really matter because um, all that matters is that we get the message out there that we help those who want to help themselves. Okay. 
If you're not willing or wanting to help, then probably all of this stuff that we've been talking about today will go in one ear and out the other, but maybe not. Maybe one little nugget and one day you'll remember that little nugget and it will be your step forward. So thank you again, Sarah, for being here with me and for doing everything you're doing. And by the way, my friends, this is probably the coolest thing of all. If you're listening to the end of this podcast, good for you because I am Sarah's teacher, right? Well, guess what? You have no idea how many conversations that she and I have had. And she is also my teacher. The teacher should always be the student, but we're not, we're not always the student of our students. Um, That's not been the case for everybody, but you have really, it was, it's like you took off like a rocket ship with everything that I had to offer. And you're just going to another level. And I'm learning from you every single time I talk to you. I get inspired by you. I consider you a dear friend. And how could that ever have been possible had we not gone through what we'd gone through? So I have to say that I'm grateful and everything can be used for good. And you are proof. Well, thank you so much. And um, I am, you know, I'll leave you with this thought. You, you, you come on these broadcasts and you say, oh, you know, I don't want to. I, I want you to talk to real people. At one point to me, you were untouchable. You were <laughs> Valerie Silvera on the other side of the country. And I remember <clears throat> when I got to go meet you, I was like, oh my gosh, there's Valerie. I'm getting, to, I'm getting to meet Valerie. And then, you know, at one point we exchanged phone numbers. I'm like, oh my God, I have Valerie Silvera's phone number. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, now we frequently will touch base with each other and talk about our families. And so, it really has, and that goes back to the value part, right? The value part was I didn't value myself. Like I felt like you were more of a valuable human than I was. Oh. And I know that's not true, no. but, um, but I, you know, I want people to know that when they use your programs, when they listen to your podcast, when they work with you um, through your mentoring and coaching, that you're going to get exactly what you hear. And it's just victory complete authenticity and raw um raw proof that you can change your life and you can use trauma for good awesome okay thank you so much again sarah love you and we will talk again very soon okay thank you thanks for listening i will see you next time and in the meantime if you want to jump into warriors and hope and get access to free resources and check out all of our other coaching and resources, go to warriorsandhope.com. Whatever you're going through, know that you are not alone. I'm standing right there with you and alongside you as you stand up and learn how to fight, how to become a warrior in hope.